0: You're listening to The Rouge Report, brought to you by Young's Equipment, your Voderstad headquarters. As this year's crop goes in the bin, it's never too early to plan for next year's seeding season. Vodderstad seed hawk seeders are known for their ability to maximize the potential of your plant. Vodderstad, precise, reliable. Remember to go to youngs.ca to use the podcast code ROUGE, that's R-O-U-G-E, for your chance to win a rider's prize package. Welcome to The Rouge Report,
1: presented by Young's Equipment. I'm Cody Fajardo. And I'm Isaac Harker. Follow along as we tackle CFL topics one point at a time. A Rough Rider Podcast. All right, welcome into the 23rd episode of the Rouge Report, the grand finale of the first season. How do you think it went overall, Isaac?
0: I feel really good about it. You know, it's hard to foresee the overwhelming amount of support from the fans and everything. So that's been super nice. And to like stay in touch with them during a time where we can't necessarily be up in Canada and, and playing and being really close to them. So being able to have that interaction is nice.
1: Without a doubt. And, and we had some really great guests on the show, some legends in the CFL. Um, any, any interviewees that stood out to you?
0: Um, well, one of my favorites was Shepley's episode just because we're boys. So he's really fun to talk to and everything. But also, you know, Darren Durant, legend, you hear about him all the time when you're in the facility and everything. So to finally get to talk to him and then he's just like the coolest dude ever is also like, oh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, I I loved KG's episode. Um, I thought we learned a lot about, you know, life after football too uh, with a lot of stuff he's doing. And just being able to play or be a part of all nine franchises is such a cool, unique uh, stat. Uh, My favorite has to be Ricky Ray. It's been a long time since I kind of talked with him as much as we did. And he was, I believe, our longest episode because my man was (laughs) rambling on and on and on. (laughs) But which was great. And we loved it. two minutes. took five minutes. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. true, Two-man a lot of penalties, uh, a lot of stoppage of time. So, Um, But, yeah, that was uh, probably one of my favorite ones. But, like I said, we had some really good – we were blessed to interview a lot of uh, great people on here. Uh, Moving forward, Season 2, what what excites you? What do you think we need to change? What do you Um, think we need to add? What excites
0: me is because we've, like, established ourselves as, like, a – a unique podcast where like the guests have enjoyed their time. I feel like we were able to get even more guests who mean a lot to the fans. Cause like a lot of the jerseys you see in the stands, we're getting to interview those people. So to keep doing that and like get the fans um, to have time to like, get to know players that they love better. Yeah, that, that's that really cool. And, and
1: we talked about it a lot about how, you know, a lot of these players, like you said, they're in Mosaic Stadium we still see their jerseys to this day, you know? And so they left a a lasting legacy uh, with fans, with the program. And just to be a part of that culture is uh, pretty cool and and unique. I think moving forward, um, I know a lot of people loved our banter episodes. So obviously keeping that rolling, as much as we love having people on the show, I think uh, people like just seeing us two just kind of talk about anything and everything. Um, So I look forward to those. It's just like having a phone conversation. Right, it comes off pretty easy. Um, one of my favorite reviews that we've got is that our yin and yang between us two has really kind of uh, meshed, and uh, I think that's uh, then that's been pretty cool and really fun to work with. Yeah,
0: like like you said, it's just like being in the quarterback room. So it's just talking about whatever comes to mind, saying stupid stuff that comes to your head, and letting the other. It's kind of like an alley oop to the other person. If you say something stupid, they'll
1: just slam it home. <laughs> yeah. So. There's no, no risk there. <laughs> the poster idea. Yeah. <laughs> and that was probably uh, the best part about this podcast was the fact that we didn't have a locker room having guys like Shepley on the show and, and being able to banter back and forth and have those you know conversations we usually have when we're watching film or something it just kind of filled a small void that we had um obviously we wish we were playing football but uh that def- this definitely helped I know for us more than probably the listeners just being able to talk on a week-to-week mm-hmm. basis the right? one
0: thing I do miss from film sessions in the locker room is doing
1: tearless we were big tearless guys last year so we would always make I- <laughs> tearless <laughs> fans uh saw our tier lists. so basically we ranked like certain things could be anything from cfl quarterbacks to foods to holidays like we just came up like let's just put these in tiers they probably think we're off <laughs> a rocker for some things that we, we ranked like some of those are just like how did we rank those you yeah. know and i
0: saw i saw one one question this was a while ago but i forgot to tell you it was like being around each other so much what is the one thing that like irks you about the other person and i knew immediately what yours would be it would be coming in early in the morning and i've just got yeah. stuff scrawled up on the whiteboard and you come in and you're like a little bit tired and i'm like hey cody look i've got i've got 14 different things for you so uh get your notebook out i'm ready to yeah, share." <laughs> for sure last
1: thing i want to do is get bombarded with certain new things and i'm like dude this is like day zero we haven't even started we don't even know where our opponent is and you're breaking down all nine cfl teams and then i was i was thinking what it would be
0: for mine and maybe because like during practice i'm pretty hard on myself so like after i have maybe like not a great practice you're all you always come to the film room and you're like positive and bubbling i'm just like well you just let me stew about this for like 10 minutes yeah
1: no dude it's fine it's fine (laughs) I'm just like stop. Usually we gotta let you watch the film, then you bury it, and then you're back to normal. <laughs> but it usually takes us a while to get to the film because we have other mm-hmm. things to do. Yeah. Um and a lot of times coming off the practice field, we are starving, oh, right? Yeah. And so we're like, give me some food, or I'm gonna. <laughs> have kind of thing, right? there, there's, I am definitely, and I I have no problem admitting this. I have a hangry um, <laughs> attitude towards me. If I'm hungry, man, I, I get kind of uh, aggressive. As, as positive as I like to be, I like I just kind of get uh, upset about some things. Yeah,
0: I'm like, like we got to get him some tacos, or this day's not gonna oh, go good Tuesday for anybody. The
1: best day. That was my favorite favorite day. Oh yeah. Just, um, uh, watching the Masters and uh, realizing I'm a terrible golfer, and I've wasted a lot of money over my entire life thinking that I'm good at golf, and I am nowhere near it. That's that's <laughs> like one of the worst things, like when you're getting into something and you're like,
0: hey, man, I'm improving, like I'm doing fine. And then you'll watch like a 13-year-old on YouTube just like stroking the ball <laughs> or like what, whatever it is your hobby is, and you're just like, I'll never be as
1: good as that 12-year-old year old in
0: like Canada or China and or whatever. The
1: nice <laughs> thing is the celebrity solid- solidification I get when I go out on courses. I like to watch other people like on other holes mm-hmm. and just see them hacking away. And I'm like, all right, I'm better than that guy. <laughs> it gives me that little, that confidence. And it's funny because that person, I don't know who they are, they don't know who I am, but they will never know that them chunking that shot 10 yards gives me the ultimate <laughs> confidence going into my next shot that I'm gonna pipe this and I am better than that guy. And I know They're I'm going- better than him. <laughs>
0: Now they're, they're trying to have a good time and relax on the weekend, and then Fajardo's out there just like, oh, chunk it,
1: <laughs> chunk it. Oh God, guys like, I don't even know. I'm like, you better shank this thing. And then they shank it. I'm like, I know. They're on their backs yeah. you're like, <coughs>
0: <coughs> my right. bad,
1: my bad. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Yeah, so but I love golf. And usually it's it takes one shot. You hit one good shot, and you're like, I'm good at this game. I'll be back. I'll be back <laughs> You yeah. can have the world. Yeah. First day. Worst day. And you hit one par, you hit one shot close to the pin, and you're like, I'm a pro, man. I can I'm do this. I'm putting it together. Wait until, wait until next round. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Direct West is a proud sponsor of The Rouge Report. Are you a busy business owner needing help with your marketing? Things like updating your Google listing, thinking of a headline for a billboard, or making sure your website is in good shape? that's where direct west comes in let them help with over 100 years of expertise at directwest.com
1: so um we can get to some video submissions i think let's do some video submissions and then we will banter in between and then go to video submissions so it's just not one after another how how does that sound let's do it I wanna thank our fans that did send in videos. Um, we're excited to answer them. And uh, it takes a lot to honestly ask a question on camera. I think a lot of times people are afraid to just ask a question on camera because the way they look or the way they sound on on uh, over the you know voice, everyone hates their voice <laughs> on electronics. So I think people are a little bit more weary about that. So they'd rather like type in their questions, but we had a lot, a lot of fans uh, Enter some questions for us, and we're excited to uh, to get them going. So, first one of the day, it looks like we are going to Chris Stroud. Stroud, is that how you Stroud, it? baby? Hey guys, first of all, we are proud to have you guys as our quarterbacks. My question is to both of you, and what is your most memorable memorable moment in your football career to date? Okay, great question. Um, Our most memorable moment of football today, starting, you know, I started playing football when I was six years old. Um, Mm -hmm. How old were you when you started playing, Isaac? Yeah, right around there, six or seven, probably. Six, I believe, was the first time I could play step foot on, like, organized football. Obviously, I played Mm -hmm. when I was younger, but uh, organized football, flag football, six years old. I've had some really good uh, moments in my life. I've um, been able to win a championship in high a state championship in high school, uh, a college conference championship, and obviously a great cup with the Argos. But probably one of my favorite moments to date in high school, we played a uh, high school by the name of modern day. They're a uh, well-known high school down here. We lost to them 20 years in a row in our biggest rivalry in Southern California. We usually have to play <laughs> our games at angel stadium because we get so many fans, 20, 30,000 fans show up to this game. And, I told myself when I was a freshman, I, I'm gonna be the quarterback to break the streak. And my senior year, I uh, we ended up beating them. And we broke the streak of 20 straight years of losing. We were 0 and 20 in 20 years. Like that's pretty dang brutal. And so that is definitely one of those things because it's one of those things you can kind of hang your hat on. Yes, it's great to win championships. Uh, but it's one of those things, like, hey, I ended, I helped end this streak, which kind of just took this weight off of our high schools. Uh, yeah, shoulders. dude, that's awesome.
0: That's awesome. I have a, I have one, one that's most memorable, not for great reasons. It was because going into high school, I'd really grind between eighth grade year to freshman year, and then uh, freshman year, the scrimmage before the season starts, I broke and dislocated my elbow, and I was out for that whole freshman season, and that kind of like solidified my work ethic I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna double down on the work ethic and everything and I never like want to take anything for granted again because like you miss a whole season you're like I don't know how long I'm gonna get to play for so I want to make the most of it and that's kind of like shaped my attitude towards offseason prep and stuff like that but then winning a conference championship at Mines was really cool just because like that was the closest knit locker room that I've ever been a part of everybody was just so close and then obviously last year getting to start in my first game and it's to clinch the west for for the riders and the great fans so it was just like an opportunity to to give the fans win in the west and like to help us move forward with our goals and everything so that yeah was fun.
1: Mean, if you all the way up the board for like for me i realized high school football was so much fun because there's no money or politics around high school football. And then the higher you go, right? You get to college, now scholarships get involved. And now coaches are kind of getting paid off wins and losses. And then obviously professional football, you're getting paid to do your job. So it's a little bit more cutthroat. And so I find as you go higher, like, yes, football is still fun, but it's hard to just kind of let loose and just be like, oh man, you know, today we lost, but uh, it was just a a tough day. And then you, you go out with your friends or you go home, eat a great meal with your family and you forget about it. In professional football, you lose a game. It's like that thing lingers on you until the next (laughs) time you step on the field until you win a football game, right? So I think that's something I've realized over the years about how I can't let one loss affect me for a long time time and affect my next play right and so uh, I I just wish everything was like high school where it's uh, just very like vanilla you go out there you play a game you win you lose you go back home but uh, obviously we wouldn't be getting paid the money we're getting if it was that vanilla so yeah and
0: that's what's so cool about football is it's like a meritocracy because at the end of the day the cream's going to rise to the top because it's a game about production and the value you can bring to a team and you can't like one of, them, one of the old players I used to play with at Indiana State said, like, you can't be a poser in football because like it all comes out on game day. And that's that's one of the coolest things about football for me.
1: Yeah, it's just high pressure situations. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we put our body through so much stress. I was thinking about this the other day, in six months. We put our body through so much stress in a football year. It is nice to have the six-month break off just to kind of let your mind just go and let your body go for a couple months and just kind of, you know, uh, recuperate from just mentally, especially as a quarterback, the highs and lows of a season of, you know, anything from losing to winning a game to clinching a playoff spot to signing a new contract to getting hurt. Like, there's, you're just like, this throughout six months and it's just nice when the season's over to just kind of ah, let everything go now on the contrary if you sit out a whole year it's a lot tougher right like we have to add (laughs) which has really been hard for me especially the way I talk about this all the time especially the way our season ended like for me I'm living with this ghost of hitting the goalpost and (laughs) my whole thing was I wanted to get back to football to get over it And now I have to sit on it for a whole year Um, has been really hard for me and really motivated me in this off season uh, extended off season to work as hard as I can. And you talked about motivation earlier. Um, But yeah, it's been quite a crazy extended off season for me.
0: Yeah. It's, it's such a different mindset because I feel like, like you said, it's, it's welcome at the end because you're finally able to just like take a breath and not be like laser focused for like, 16 hours of the day but now like you get to sit in so long now you're just like able to sit with your thoughts because training can only last so long without like being a detriment to what you're trying
1: to do yeah absolutely i think you hit it right there on the on the head um moving forward to our our next uh submission two young up-and-coming rough rider fans let's Uh, go let's, let's take a listen here
0: Hi, it's Owen and Jackson from Regina, Saskatchewan. We have a question for Cody. Who's
1: your favorite back? Bye. Bye. Okay, they addressed it just to me, but we will let Isaac uh, be a part okay. of it as well. I believe they said Owen and Jackson were their names. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Is that what you I got? You. I, that's what I heard. Okay, um, Owen and Jackson, thank you for the question and uh, thank you for the video submission and thank you for listening to the show. For me. Uh, Growing up, I've had a couple of quarterbacks that I've uh, really liked. Uh, my first is Brett Favre. Uh, when I was a young pup, I was a huge Brett Favre fan. My second was Tim Tebow. I really liked the way Tebow played, and I tried to emulate my game in college after Tebow running the ball and throwing the ball and, and all that kind of fun stuff that he had. And nowadays, i uh, been able to watch Drew Brees, and I just really like watching Drew Brees. He's just getting it done at such an uh, older age in football and just continues to be Mr consistency so as the years progress my quarterback has changed um, but uh, it's always I've always looked up to somebody and it's been really cool to have they talk about how your competitors become your teammates or, or your idols become your competitors or teammates and uh, that's something I kind of lived when I was with the Raiders was like wow like I'm a part of the NFL and now all these guys I looked up to are pretty much my enemies as opposed to my idols. So I don't know if you have uh, any input on that, Isaac. We'd love to hear your take. I know Owen and Jackson would love (laughs) to hear your take.
0: No problem. No problem. Yeah. I mean, growing up, uh, Drew Brees went to college like 40 minutes from my house at Purdue. So ever since he was in college, I was a huge fan, And especially when he went to the Saints and like overcame that adversity of his shoulder injury with the Chargers. So he's always been a constant, like someone I can look up to and try and emulate my game after and everything. Doug Flutie was also one person that I really followed like his career arc and everything, just cause I didn't know how tall I was going to be. And I ended up being six foot, but I thought I was going to be about five ten. So, and that was his height. And he was able to make it work at professional levels, whether it was CFL or NFL. So I just admired his play style and he was really creative. And like, you could tell like the joy he had when he played through the way he was like making plays and everything. And I always really liked that about him.
1: Yeah. And, and that's something I think what draws me like he's talked about Drew Brees was that never give up mentality that trip on the shoulder like yeah you can call me short you can say I don't have a strong arm you can say all this about me but I'm just gonna go out there and prove you wrong and Mm -hmm. one of the things I, I talk about usually is how the NFL or football is one of the only sports that in the drafting process, they tear guys down as opposed to build guys up. You you talk about baseball guys, they talk about, hey, this guy's a, a five tool star, he's got a cannon of an arm, he can hit, he can uh, run the bases really well. Basketball, same thing, this guy's got a three point shot, he's a big body, he can go, he can rebound. When you get to the NFL, it's like, Uh, he's too slow he's not tall enough he's got doesn't have enough weight you know uh, can't jump his hands are suspect they always try and find the negatives and that's something that's always kind of shocked me in in professional sports is how all the other sports kind of build their players up in the draft process and in the NFL these analysts try and find a way to tear these uh, players down Um, do, do you uh, agree with that have you noticed that I never really had thought
0: about it till just now but it seems it seems like you're on to something for sure and I guess like the only reason I can think of that is like you're just trying to look with such a trained eye at such small small details that it's such a big investment that you can't really afford to miss or it'll cause like especially in the early rounds mediocrity for years in your franchise but it still doesn't it doesn't really exactly breed a sense of confidence about the players you're drafting anyways.
1: So and that's but that's one of the struggles I have. Like you watch the NFL draft and some of these fans are booing players that get drafted to (laughs) the always. because the analysts just tear these guys apart and they're like hey they're not a good player they can't do this and that's all the fans here and then they're like who's this guy boo but in the nba you never hear people booing their draft picks they're always pretty excited and be like oh this guy is going to be a, a good player for us and i think that's just the positive spin they put on it um, I just talk about it because maybe I'm just a little what's the word? Uh, kind of upset because I went through the process and people knocked me because I was too short or I didn't have a big deep ball or anything like that. So um, I went through the process and it was tough to hear a lot of a lot of negativity about you and not hear much positivity. And you're like, "Hey, man, I, I thought I was a pretty good quarterback, but apparently I'm terrible." So um, yeah, just it just, uh, it just uh, kind of irks me just a little bit because I went through it. Yeah, I
0: feel like I went through it at an earlier stage than you. I went through it in high school and then yeah. in college. And then I went straight to the CFL. So I never really got the the really – and you were a you were a high-profile quarterback and I was more under the radar. So they're not really looking to tear apart a guy from Colorado School of Mines. You know what I'm
1: saying? <laughs> yeah, if a guy's taking the time to tear apart a guy from Colorado School of Mines, it's like, get this guy out of here. <laughs> what are you, doing? Uh, you want to go to the next video submission for us? It- Hi, I'm Nelson Hackwich and this is my dad Lance. We want to know who brought you to the CFL. Was it a player personnel person, a specific general manager? What was your path to coming to Canada? And the second part is how much about the CFL did you know before you came to the CFL? Thanks guys. Okay, great question from Nelson and Lance. They asked us how we got to the CFL and how much did we know uh, of the CFL game? Go ahead, Isaac, you can, that uh, lead off here.
0: Yeah, so um, I actually got a call shortly after my pro day from the, the GM, Jeremy O'Day, from the Rough Riders, and he invited me to a mini camp in Vero Beach. I ended up playing well there. They said they'd take one of us to camp out of the eight that were there or nine. And then I ended up playing well. And then that's kind of what my path was. I went through uh, Jeremy O'Day to the mini camp and then got a contract following that. And then I, I didn't
1: know quite a bit about the CFL just because I was a huge fan of Doug Flutie. Wait, before you get into that, it is going under uh, noticed. Tell the listeners how you got your opportunity. Didn't you email uh, um, Mike Davis?
0: Yeah. So this, this is kind of scuffed, but so I was like my own agent for the longest time, just cause I didn't have an agent. So, and I really liked the CFL. So I was hitting up all of these CFL, like scouts, essentially, like I would go on the website and find phone numbers and emails. And I would just like mass send out emails and phone numbers, like, my film and my profile and like different news about me and stuff like that. And I actually got a text back from Mike Davis after I sent him his stuff. He's like, we've got this thing in Texas, uh, these dates, if you can make it, I'm like, um, sad I can't make it. I'm doing like graduation or something like that. And then a few days after that, I got invited officially to the mini camp. So yeah, it, yeah. yeah just like a grind cold calling agents, you know, sending, sending emails to player personnel guys from the
1: CFL and stuff. That's yeah, that's and that's incredible. And they're probably like, man, this Isaac, guy won't let it go. Let's just get him out here. So he can get out of my spam <laughs> <laughs> And it worked out for you. Okay, so going back to the second part of the question, how much of the CFL did you know?
0: Yeah, I I knew quite a bit. I followed Doug Flutie really closely, and actually, like even when I was younger, I would tell people like I want to be an NFL or a CFL quarterback, like when I grow up. So like it it was in the it was in the cards and everything. I knew about it. I was a big fan of how the game was different and everything, and would watch as many YouTube films as I could. And sometimes they would play games on ESPN two. so I'd
1: watch. Yeah, the- and that was I think the first time I was introduced to it. Um, was watching games on on uh, ESPN two. I was always like, how is their football on right now, you know, usually, and you're watching these games, and then you're like, Oh, it's Canadian football. Um, for me, Jim Barker was the GM for the Toronto Argonauts. He drafted my put me on the negotiation list or whatever that uh is called, and so he actually coached at the for the Wolfpack uh here at Nevada, and so he followed us and he followed me in my career. And so, the crazy thing about a negotiation list is. If I wanted to come to the CFL, I could only sign with the Argos, which is kind mm-hmm. of crazy to me, right? Yeah. Um, you have nine teams, but you can only go to one team. So I, uh, after when I got released from the uh, Raiders, they reached out to my agent and I, was, I had about four NFL workouts. And through those four NFL workouts, they always signed the more veteran guy because I was just this rookie guy who went through a training camp. And I was just like, you know what? I just want to play football. And my agent's like, well, the GM or Toronto owns your rights. So they want to bring you up. Their season's almost done. They got about six games left. They want to bring you up and you just kind of see if you like it. I went up there, fell in love with the game. I started to learn about the CFL rules on my flight to Toronto. I was like, well, I better know what the heck is going on. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I got there, I I was thrown out to the first practice. I didn't take any reps, but I was just out there in the first practice and just seeing the waggle for the first time, seeing a CFL practice for the first time, everything was so fast and just like uh, so accelerated with the four and a half hour rule and everything. And I honestly just fell in love with the game. And and my first aha moment when I was like, I want to play in this league was uh, we, we made it to the playoffs that year and we played at the hammer. So in Hamilton uh, playoff game and it was sold out. Uh, I think it was a blackout game and it was a really good football game came down to the end. Uh, the Argos end up losing, but um, I was like, this is it. This is like big time college football feel, right? You go, people are tailgating, people are uh, selling out the stadium. And so I just fell in love with the game. And then I told Toronto after that, um, I said, I'm going to Try and get a few NFL interests. If nothing happens, I'm gonna sign a contract. I had another about five NFL workouts, same thing. They kept taking the more veteran guy. They're like, you just need tape on you, you need tape on you. And uh, I said, screw it, I'm going up to the CFL. And here I am now and loving it and had some NFL interest this past year. And but I, I owe so much to the CFL. I talk about I'm super indebted to the CFL. So going to play out my contract and, and see what happens after that but uh very excited to be where i'm at because if without the cfl I'll, me and you we wouldn't be playing football right mm-hmm. I, I would be you know working some business office job and not playing a sport that i love for some money which is truly incredible mm-hmm. so I, sure. I think that's it that's a really good question though that a lot, a lot of people kind of ask about your journey to the cfl so um, um I've got a funny, just like aside. Cause you said you
0: were taking a crash course and like CFL rules and stuff on the plane.
1: Yeah. As
0: soon as I figured out I was getting that mini camp, I was like, I called up Zach Klein and who used to play on the Edmonton Eskimos practice squad he was a quarterback and he's one of my best friends so he like gave me he gave me like the 401 like level courses of CFL stuff before I got there and stuff and he just recently sent me a clip on Instagram it was Jordan Hoover he's he clipped him like just running through my soul on that sting oh, yeah. play and that Edmonton game and I responded to a story Ooh, that looked like it hurt (laughs) (laughs) he he didn't
1: respond so I guess I'm calling him out on the Rouge report (laughs) yeah that's that's hilarious but yeah it's always good I I uh to mention it I had a guy Logan Kilgore was a guy I got to know, uh, we went to um, Manning Passing Academy. And if you know Logan, he's got this personality that everybody is attracted to. And so he just gets along with everybody. And so I DM'd him and I knew he was on the team. And I was kind of nervous when I DM'd him because I was like, this guy thinks I'm coming in to take his job. Like he's gonna be standoffish. I just wanted to learn. And when I got there, man, Logan just like opened up, told me everything about the playbook, showed me the ropes, showed me what to do, how to act as a pro, and like just having a guy like that in your corner really helped me stick around because I don't think I would have been able to make it through those times Uh, mentally I probably been like ah this ain't worth it or I don't like this but just having a guy like that who was very positive and who was happy to be playing CFL football and that kind of rubbed off on me and so I was like man if this guy's loving it as a third four string quarterback I should be able to love it as a fifth string quarterback you know same thing so um, that was uh, one of those moments for me that definitely helped me get to where I'm at today was uh, Logan Kilgore who I believe is still with Edmonton Eskimos. Mm-hmm. On to the uh, next question. Hey Cody and Isaac, love the Rouge Report this year. Great job, you guys. Uh, my question for you both is: you have both served as backup quarterbacks, Cody uh, mainly
0: yourself in the CFL for a while until you got your shot last year with the Riders. Um,
1: I my question is: how hard is it to stay mentally disciplined? Uh, being the backup guy behind the number one guy uh, and also preparing each week to hopefully start but also uh, support uh, the number one guy? How hard is that? Uh, Really great question here Mm -hmm. by Steve Johnson. Probably our number one Rouge Report listener and fan. He usually writes in some great questions for us and things. Yeah, big to talk
0: shout about. out, big shout big out. Big
1: shout out to Steve Johnson, who just loves the writers uh, and it's so cool. And I think he embodies everything about a Rough Rider fan, right? Just mm-hmm. wants the best for the team, wants the best for the players, and just can't wait to have some football back on the field. So we appreciate you, Steve. Um, you want you want to take uh, first crack at this?
0: Sure. Yeah. So um the the first part of the question was how hard is it to stay like disciplined when you know you're not going to play and for me that's not really like necessarily a problem because one of the things I love most about football is like the x's and o's and like game planning and trying to figure out advantages and I'm happy I'm more than happy to pass on like everything I've I can notice about a defense to you to try and help win just because like my number one goal is winning and then like the mental aspect of the game is so fun for me that it's not really like a struggle weekend and week out to really put that in. But the big, the biggest struggle is when you're a backup, the game plan is for the starter. So if you have to come in, if the starter gets hurt or whatnot, like the game plan is not for your style of play. So that's what, that's, what's hard. That's that's the hardest part, I think.
1: Yeah, and that's a really good point. I think when you have a starter and a backup that are similar um, in what they do, then yes, it's okay. The transition is a little bit easier. But mm-hmm. like me and you are different in terms of how we play. Me and Zach were different in terms of how we play, and so mm-hmm. I, we talked about all the time. I do that Hamilton game. I just was never comfortable because that playbook wasn't for me. It was for Zach. And now you got to go in on the third play of the game and just kind of run these plays that one, uh, I think to answer the second part of the question. First, the hardest thing about being a backup quarterback in the CFL is not getting the reps and especially not getting the reps with the ones. So you will get, uh, at least in Sask, we get backup reps, which is really good, I think, for the development of backup quarterbacks. I went six years in the league as a backup quarterback, and some practices never even touched a snap. I never even touched a snap until day three when we did the short yardage. And so that, I think, kind of hurts the ability to develop uh, young guys and young backup uh, quarterbacks. So it was so so a breath of fresh air when I was the backup to start the year getting reps uh, with the Rough Riders. Because I'm like, this is the first time I've ever got reps in my life, like live reps and not scout team reps. Um, So that was huge. And I think that's the hardest part about some of the programs, they don't let their backups get uh, reps. Um, In terms of the other things that make it difficult uh, about being a backup is, You have to prepare like the starter, but you don't get to have the same amount of fun that the starter has by going out there and playing, right? So um, the hardest part, I think, is the mental aspect of knowing, like, hey, I have to know everything that the starter knows, but I don't know if I'm going to play or not. And that kind of undecidedness, uh, it's a lot easier when you go into the game. I'm sure you know this from last year, going into that last game of the year. When you know you're the clear-cut starter and you're like, hey, I'm the guy, um, you just – take the, the roll on better and it's easier to get through the practice week when you're kind of the backup and you're like, I have to get myself prepared, but I can be a hundred percent prepared for the game and not play one down and be like, man, that was just exhausting. You can do that for 18 weeks straight and never see it down. And that just can be mentally exhausting because you have to be ready each and every time. I know the hardest thing for me, personally, was watching a, a starting quarterback as the backup get hit. So when I was Ricky's backup, and I would see him get hit, and he'd start getting up slow. I'm like, I buckle my chin strap and be like, "Is this my time when I go in?" And then he gets up and he jogs in. And so I think that that emotional roller coaster of like, "Is it is it this play? Is it next play?" Especially play?
0: when like the, the starter is your friend, you're like, "Oh shit, please don't be
1: injured." But then you're like, "Well, I'm ready to play if he yeah. is injured." Like, <laughs> exactly. and that's exactly because that's how I felt. Like Ricky, I was like, "Please don't be hurt. Please don't be hurt." But wait, if he's hurt, I get to play. Yeah, <laughs> it's like this moral dilemma that you have in your head, right? You're like, "Man, just your shoelace is untied. Let me get one." <laughs> One long so I can rip it. um but yeah so uh that that's kind of the hard thing about being a backup quarterback is just you have to be so mentally prepared and you don't get to actually do it on the field half, more than half the time um but in the CFL game we noticed that last year that every backup played and so if anything in Canadian football you have to be ready as a backup to play at any given time and Mm -hmm. i wouldn't be where i'm at today if i wasn't a backup quarterback because i wouldn't have my opportunity to start so uh yeah that's just a a great question i think not a lot of people really think about um that the backup personally in my my life and playing i find that being the backup quarterback for a game is much harder than being the starter do you agree or disagree
0: yeah it's the same thing like me i think practice is harder than games i think being the backup is a little bit It's more, it's more stressful than
1: being the starter for sure. It's probably harder because you're not doing anything. (laughs) Yeah. But stressful is exactly right. You never know play. The playbook's not really for you. You have minimal input in the playbook. Like when we go through uh, the week and we install plays, a lot of times the coaches will ask the starter, like, do you like this? Do you like that? Do you like this? Um, Mm -hmm. But they never ask the backup. And so (laughs) uh, that's one thing where it's like, I could be like, yeah, I like that play. And Isaac could be like, oh, I hate that play. But it's (laughs) in the playbook. It's going to be heavily in the playbook because I like it. So that's something I think uh, also kind of behind the scenes that fans don't realize making the playbook for the week um, is tailored to the starter and the backup sometimes will disagree with those things. So uh, I believe we have uh, two more. Uh, Next one coming in here. Hey, guys, this is Bryant Adams from Regina, Saskatchewan. My question to you is, what was your initial reaction when you heard teams from the CFL were possibly interested in you, and had you ever considered coming to Canada to play before? Thanks. So, a very similar question to one that we've already answered, but still kind of unique. Uh, Brian, thank you for the the question. I think for me, when I first heard that uh, CFL teams were interested, I was kind of like, the Toronto who like Argonauts that just like doesn't really roll off the tongue, you know? And I was just curious. And and like I said, when I was on the plane, I was watching, I downloaded film on off of YouTube of, CFL games. And so I was trying to watch the games. And I like when you watch a CFL game and you have no idea what's what the rules are or anything, you're just like, what is going on? Like how in the heck are these teams not scoring a thousand points? But then you realize there's only three downs. And then you realize uh, a bunch of different things about the field being wider and there's an extra guy and stuff like that. One of my probably my favorite, most embarrassing stories I I tell a lot is my first team reps uh, with the Argos. There was 12 guys on the field, and I stopped the practice, and I said, "Hey, coach, they got 12 guys on the field," and they're like, uh, "Hey, dumb American, it's 12 on 12, not 11 on 11." So <laughs> here I am, like, "Hey, I don't want to take a they got an extra guy because I don't want to throw a pick because they got an extra guy," you know? Look that in practice, and they're like, "No, it's 12 on 12." So uh, <laughs> one of my more embarrassing stories, but uh, definitely one that kind of opens. to the unique rules of the CFL game. But once I committed to the CFL game, I've truly not looked back and I've really enjoyed my time every year as a third string guy, as a backup guy, as a starter, just being in the locker room with those guys. And I think the last thing I'll add before I let you talk about this, Isaac, is... In the, in the CFL locker room, it's so special and so unique. It's a lot like college where it's like, these Americans come up and we don't get to bring our families most of the time. So it's like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Uh, nothing, hey, come over, eat some nachos, we'll watch some football, we'll play some video games. When I was with the Raiders, one of the things that turned me off the most was the locker room just wasn't really tight. It was like at the end of practice, everyone just scattered. Everyone went home to their families. Uh, They had errands to run or some some sort of like marketing thing to do. And like it was no no camaraderie. Um, I mean, I was only there for a short stint, so I can't really – that's all I can speak about. But in the CFL, it's always like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Oh, it's Thursday night. Let's go get uh, 25-cent wings over here or something like that, right? So um that that is what I really like about the CFL game is is that and traveling with the guys and just getting to know your teammates and your brothers over a course of 18 games is is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, definitely agreed on that one. And and like I said, I knew a little bit about it. So I was stoked when I got the call from the riders And then like it's just it it has always it had always been like a dream of mine to play professionally, whether it was CFL or NFL. So I was just like super stoked. And then and it's it's a lot different than college you get coached a lot different than college too which is one thing that i really like because in college it's more like you will be doing this or there will be consequences like study halls and all this like extra stuff that's not really for for guys but when you're in the pros like these guys are professional so they know what they need to get done so the coaching is a lot more like technique based and everything instead of like hey you guys better get to study hall or we're going to do some gassers
1: (laughs) that's a, and that's a really good point too it's like okay i'll give you your freedom because you're a grown man so here's your freedom you do what you want with it if you don't do what you have to do it'll show on the field so yeah, yeah. and and we'll see you later we'll find someone else who wants to do it and so that motivation right there is like you want to keep that freedom right you don't want a head coach that comes down on you and be like you have to do this you have to do that you have to do that because then you feel like you're in college or high school and you feel like a little little kid it's like no coach i'm a grown man you give me an assignment i'll do it and i'll do it at my best ability you know some guys take advantage of that and i find that a lot of young guys that come up to the cfl um take advantage of it because it's their first time ever doing football without school so they're like oh i got all this free time i can i can get uh, football done later And they put it off put it off put it off and then by the time the practice comes or game comes, they're like, Oh, I didn't study. I didn't study. So um, that's just one of those things I've seen with a lot of talented rookies come in and not get a roster spot because they don't put the time in because that, that freedom and that time management kind of overwhelms them. So that's a, that's Mm -hmm. a really good point. Uh, Our last video submission comes from the boss man, Craig Reynolds. Let's go. Hey Cody. Hey
0: Isaac. I really enjoyed being on your podcast earlier this year. You asked me how far I could throw a football. I should have asked you guys who can throw the football farther, you Cody or you Isaac?
1: Ooh, good question. That by is the a boss, good question. Man. That is a good question. Controversial, good question. controversial. Yeah, very controversial. Let's tear us apart before on this final episode, huh? Yeah. <laughs> time to mend back together. <laughs> no, that- <laughs> You're like, this is the last one they're doing. Might as well break the mold. Let's throw some drama in there. Um, okay. Well, that's what he's probably thinking. I'm not yeah, saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, me personally, I think if I am, you know, it's different if I'm just throwing a football, just if I go to the park right now and I try and throw the football as far as I can, I, I think I can get maybe 60, 62 yards. If I'm in a game with adrenaline, I think I can hit 75. Personally, I believe that. Um, so it, it's tough to make an assumption on how far you can throw. Um, I know that, uh, Isaac usually throws the ball a lot harder than me, but I don't know if he can throw the ball farther than me. How do you Yeah, feel? Uh, that, that's such a, it's such
0: a thing where you'd have to like stick a side by side because it's so hard to say because like, I've seen you throw it like 75 when you had that backwind against what, what team was that? Calgary? Yeah. Uh, it was no it was hamilton hamilton yeah you threw like 75 yards i was like my gosh the gravity's not even
1: affecting it uh <laughs> so right now right now you go out and you throw football how far could you throw no warm-up just how far can you throw oh no warm-up i've been a backup my
0: whole life so i can throw pretty far no warm-up no warm-up <laughs> i'm going 48 yards
1: 48 yeah i was gonna like say, your very first throw i was gonna say i'm gonna be somewhere 50 52 that's uh I'm max mm-hmm. 52 So Mm -hmm. I would assume that we have very similar arm um, strength in terms of the deep ball. I find that I throw a lot more air on my deep ball than Isaac does. Mm -hmm. Do you concur with that? Usually you're a, Isaac's a back shoulder guy, which means he likes to a little firmer ball. So guys can go up and and, uh, high point it. Um, I've learned over my many years when I came out of the, the draft My biggest knock was I was a terrible deep ball thrower. Like, that was the number one thing. I I was very bad at deep ball completions and here last year I led the CFL in deep ball completions and the one thing I changed was I just added more uh, air to my ball which caused me to have more uh, bigger misses and the, the person I learned that from was Russell Wilson you ever watch Russell Wilson throw deep balls he calls it the skyscraper ball because that thing goes up and it just comes down and it drops nice and smooth and so I learned that from him um, and as I'm getting older my arm strength isn't as strong as it was when I was 22-23 years old um, just over over the hits you take and just over the wear and tear so i've learned to have to throw the ball earlier with more air i learned that from ricky earlier with uh more air as opposed to some of these young bucks who can hold on the ball a little bit longer and just let that thing rip
0: yeah so, and and that, that's just one of my like things that i feel is my strength is i'm pretty accurate with the firm like high hat back shoulder type ball so i'd prefer to throw it that way just because i know i can put it in a certain window and uh, if the throw calls for it you got to put some air under it but I guess it's just whatever you feel like um your strengths are as a quarterback and everything and I think people can definitely tell that like if if you took our numbers off our jerseys
1: you could tell who was playing <laughs> yeah yeah without a doubt you you have like uh, a more unique throwing motion um I think I'm a like- ball lifter like if I, yeah, if, if I, we talked about that shat, earlier in this year, we talked about the shadow of a quarterback. You just put them on. Like I could tell that's Isaac Harker when you throw, mm-hmm. if they just like shadowed you out and they just showed this guy and like, what quarterback is this? I could tell cause I know your throwing motion is a little mm-hmm. bit more unique than other, other QBs. Um, so yeah, that's just one of those things you just got to learn through your mechanics and, and get, uh, each guy's unique in their own way like you look at philip rivers last night uh or thursday night yeah and he gets it done at the highest level like that for so many years i think
0: he's he's like six four six five right mm-hmm. i think my release point is higher than his because it's it like
1: be. yeah
0: it he's releasing from here like, and, and, and he like kind of pushes
1: the ball pushes which is crazy. it flicks the thumb over and it just yeah. goes Man, yeah, oh, that's, nice. uh, it's pretty pretty impressive uh, how he does it. But episode 23, the grand finale, it's gonna, of the season one, it's been a hell of a year. Um, Been much needed. What the fans have really reviewed and said is much needed in a time with no football. So we're glad we can kind of fill that small void, but hoping we can get back to football next year and have have some podcasts uh, early next year in our season two before the season gets rolling and have some anticipation for a season. But we want to thank our listeners. Uh, We can't do it without you guys. Thank our our sponsors that we have. Definitely can't do it without you guys. Uh, I want to thank Mike. He doesn't get uh, a lot of the credit, but uh he's he's the guy behind the scenes who makes us sound good look good and uh we just have to kind of uh, record and then we we'll are just send it over to magic mike we'll call him and he'd, <laughs> he'd be done for us so uh if there is there's anything you want to say go ahead uh, isaac
0: yeah the fan interactions the sponsors and obviously Mike and everybody who works on the podcast makes it so easy for us. So, and I I want to thank the fans for all the interaction and support as well, because it's been something to kind of sink your teeth into and give, give a little effort and, and thought into something other than like just training constantly. It's a nice little change of pace. And so I just really want to thank the fans and just promise you guys, we're going to be back ready ready to go more than ever when when we get back up there next year to play so and we'll have another season for you raring to go around the new year so we'll be on the lookout for that as well
1: yeah thanks for uh going on this wonderful roller coaster of a ride with us right a lot of ups not many downs which is good so uh, <laughs> i don't know if that's good on a roller coaster but it's good <laughs> yeah real slow yeah nobody wants to go out (laughs) the whole time (laughs) but uh, we appreciate you guys that's episode 23 that's the grand finale we did it uh, in person show our ugly mugs on on the screen so um, hope you guys have a great holiday season and we will see you in the early part of next year go riders god bless
0: thank you thank you for listening to the rouge report
1: presented by young's equipment a rough rider podcast The Rouge Report is brought to you by Young's Equipment, your case IH dealer in southern Saskatchewan. Young's is home to a wide selection of new and used case IH combines to meet your needs for any size farm. Your experienced technicians and wide selection of parts will keep you running all season. Go to youngs.ca and use the podcast code Rouge, R-O-U-G-E, for your chance to win a writer's prize package.